look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the FMIA Mini Pod, the Football Morning in America Mini Podcast. This is Peter King. I'm here to review Week 12 of the National Football League season. A lot of interesting things going on in and around the league, but not really a lot of interesting football <laughs> was played uh, on Sunday around the NFL. I am reporting tonight. It's about 4.35 a.m. Eastern, 1.35 Pacific. Uh, I am in Palo Alto, California, recording this right now. It's about halfway between, not exactly halfway, but close, between where the 49ers played the uh, Green Bay Packers and beat them 37-8 on Sunday night. Um, is it possible it wasn't that close? It really wasn't. Um, but, uh, I'm halfway between there and San Francisco where I'm spending a few days with family, uh, and just conveniently there was this, uh, supposedly a, a great matchup, you know, in the NFL on Sunday night, which turned out to be a, um, uh, a very one-sided game. Um, we're going to start off. I was in the 49ers locker room, talked to a bunch of guys, spent a little time with the hero, one of the heroes of this game. Fred Warner. Now, Fred Warner, as many of you may know, has emerged uh, as one of the really big new stars of the San Francisco 49ers. He's playing middle linebacker. Since Quan Alexander went out with a torn pectoral uh, about four weeks ago, each week, uh, Fred Warner uh, has been the leading tackler on the team. He's had three sacks. He sacked Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, he sacked Aaron Rodgers early in this game and sort of set the stage for the game. But I'll tell you about this scene. Fred Warner, when I met him, was carrying, you know that football that NBC gives to uh, players when they get one of the players of the game after the Sunday night football game? Well, Fred Warner was carrying that thing. And he was not letting it go. And I just felt like when I kept watching him, he was so proud of it. And finally, I just mentioned that to him. And he goes, hey, man, this is a big deal. You know, Sunday night football, getting one of these game balls. He said that was that was really a cool thing. Anyway, I got four or five minutes here with Fred Warner. You can listen. And then I'm going to get into what I wrote about the San Francisco 49ers after their crushing win over the Packers. With Fred Warner and the 49ers, so Fred, you are holding right now a ball that was given to you by NBC for being one of the players of this game. 
and I take it from the way you're carrying it that it's really a point of pride for you to kind of finally be recognized with some of the the great players in this game. Yeah, I mean, it means a lot. Uh, you know, it's humbling just to know that. Uh, you know, as a team, just the performance we had, it was it was so much fun being out there. Um, I think that was a great team win, defense, offense, special teams. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that on Sunday night. So, I wonder, just watching this game, you suffocated Aaron Rodgers, and I noticed that the way you guys sort of envelop the quarterback, you don't leave a lot of lanes for the quarterback to get out of. You know, you did it against Russell Wilson a lot when you played him, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But what is it about that part of your defense that is special? Uh, I mean, for sure, just the guys we got up front, you know, that's, that's a huge part of it. And I think us doing a great job on first and second down allows them to really get after the quarterback. Um, you know, and I don't even think the DBs get talked about enough. You know, them being sticky in coverage in the back end allows those guys to have a little extra time to, you know, do their thing. And so um, it's, it's just great, great uh, defense overall, you know, as a group. Two minutes into this game tonight, you made a play that forced a fumble on Rodgers and you guys recovered and went right in. Describe the play that you made. What did you see? What was your job on that play? Yeah, uh, it was kind of you know kind of a crazy play. Uh, we just we just had a pressure that we always run. You know, I, I just uh, you know I got picked up right away by the center, and I saw Aaron get you know under pressure by the other guys, and I happened to you know get off the center, and then it was just you know kind of just an effort play, me getting to the quarterback, uh, seeing him carrying the ball kind of low near his near his waist, and I took it took a shot at it, um, you know, and I think that that helped get us get us going. You know, we knew we had to come out hot and. Uh, you know, that was that was a good little start. So last year when you got here as a rookie, I wonder what made you, what propelled you into the role that you're serving right now? Because you're a signal caller, you're kind of the defensive leader in the huddle, and yet there's a lot of guys picked a lot higher. And there's a lot of guys a lot more famous like Richard Sherman and, and these guys. So how did you get to this point where you're the guy who's sort of the brain center, the nerve center of this defense? Um, you know, I think a lot of things go into it. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I try to pride myself on trying to work, outwork everybody I can, um, you know, remaining humble. I have a great supporting cast around me, uh, having a coach like D'Amico Ryans who played this game at a high level, um, being able to soak in as much information from him as I can. Uh, Adding pieces in the off season like like Quan Alexander um, to kind of help me along. It's it's just been. I mean, everybody's helped me out so much that I can only be I can only be grateful. You know, watching you guys play defense, it's a great example of team defense, in my opinion, because you look at Jimmy Ward, who has been sort of hidden for a long time. He made four or five plays in this game that were big. You make plays. Bosa's around. <clears throat> Armstead, everybody. I wonder last year when you were losing so much and there was a lot of pressure, you know, to win, obviously, but there's a lot of pressure on Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. What was the atmosphere around here like? Did everybody know that you were going to be good? It just wasn't happening yet, mainly because of the quarterback injury? Yeah, I think I think this year everything's just kind of come together, you know. And I feel like in years past, I mean, a couple of the years before this, 
I, I mean, I was only here for one of the seasons. You know, obviously the year before that was their first year, uh, our first year uh, here as a you know as a coaching staff. But um, you know, I think everything just kind of came together. We added some really great pieces in the off season. We got Jimmy back at the helm, our franchise quarterback. Uh, you know, can't talk about him enough and his leadership. And uh, you know, our coach, our coaches on on the defensive side have have really uh, you know turned it up for us. Um, you know, they got us going, and I think the standard that we hold ourselves to is what really shows up on game day. Last thing I would ask you: when you look at the next two weeks for you guys, you're going to Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, who look like one of the hottest teams in football. You're going to New Orleans to pay, play the great Drew Brees and <clears throat> and Michael Thomas. You're going two road games in an eight-day span to play these two great teams. Are you guys ready for that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're ready. But like I, like I always try to say is we, we're not focused on, you know, the the long game. Well, I mean, we're just focused on what we have right now. You know, we if we try and focus too far ahead – that's when you get overwhelmed and you're not you're not able to perform at your best because you're thinking about too many things. So, you know, we got this game's over. We're focused on the Ravens, and that's you know that's what we have right now. Fred Warner, thanks so much for taking the time, and good luck the rest of the way. All right, thank you. My thanks to Fred Warner for giving me a few minutes. Now let's go to the uh, the lead of the column that I wrote uh, for Football Morning in America. It's up at NBCSports.com and ProFootballTalk.com right now. Dateline, Santa Clara, California. Me to Richard Sherman at his locker Sunday night, post-drubbing of the Packers. So, the next two weeks, back east, you've got these two mega games. Not to us, he said quickly. We don't care if we're playing on the moon, and we don't care who we're playing. We had a tough game against Tampa who moved moved it on us in the heat. We had a freaking monsoon game in Washington. We don't care. We play as hard as we can, as fast as we can, and let the chips fall where they may. The moment you build an opponent up or tear an opponent down is when you start to have a rocky season, and that's not us. Next Sunday, colon, San Francisco 10-1 at Baltimore 8-2. The following Sunday, San Francisco at New Orleans, 9-2. In the last eight days, I watched the Ravens beat Houston by 34. I thought, hey, Baltimore's the best team. I watched the Niners beat Green Bay 37-8. I thought, maybe that's the best team. <clears throat> New England's an odd great team, but 10-1 is 10-1. And, and I thought, Who cares who's best in Thanksgiving week? The Patriots are steaming toward AFC home field, and they always figure it out by January. At least that's what I thought. In the NFL, it's always smart to have recency bias. I don't know how you watch an Aaron Rodgers-led team convert one of 15 third downs and not think San Francisco is capable of running the table all the way to the Super Bowl. You see the impact George Kittle had, six catches, 129 yards, playing with a chipped bone in his ankle, and you see the defensive depth. This is a scary team. Right now, for the sake of great competition, America would love a San Francisco-Baltimore Super Bowl. If that happens, 
consider week 13 in Baltimore the appetizer. But you know the crazy thing? Niners-Ravens isn't a primetime game next week. It's not a network doubleheader game to be seen by maybe 75% of the country. It's on Fox, one of eight games Sunday scheduled at 1 p.m. 1 p.m. How amazing. Ask 500 fans right now. What's the NFL matchup you'd really like to see? And I bet Niners-Ravens would be close to number one. You can count on the NFL to maximize the TV audience in a given week 90% of the time. But it's a CBS doubleheader week with Raiders Chiefs, the big attraction, and flexing to Sunday night for Baltimore-San Francisco didn't make sense because the Patriots are scheduled for Sunday primetime game at Houston. Still, putting this game against seven others for attention in the early window, it's just odd. As, a, as the Niners have emerged from their early Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch cocoon this year, I point to the patience the team had. When CEO Jed York recruited coach and GM, he dangled six-year contracts to both as a show of very good faith. So if going 10-22 and 22 in the first two years tested York's resolve, he didn't show it. Nor was the NFL information superhighway abuzz with rumors of Shanahan's demise. Even when the quarterback gets hurt, as happened here, impatience in the fan base is usually a thing. There was some of that on the outside, but not internally. Shanahan paused a half hour after the game Sunday night to consider his good fortune. That's why I'm happy to be where I'm at. It's the organization I, we have, Shanahan told me. We went through some tough times in our first two years, especially starting 0-9. I think the next year we started 1-7. So when you start that way, it's very hard for a place not to splinter. That's what was so different here in our first two years. Going 0-9 and finishing 6-10 helped finish with some momentum. And last year, never once throughout the year did you ever feel like the defense was against the offense or vice versa. Never once did I have an owner crushing me with, hey, we got to change this guy. I mean, everyone here just really believed in each other. That was really tested with some of the times we went through, but I think that was the neatest thing about it. We knew we had the right people around. We just had to get a couple of difference makers and stay healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo making all 11 starts after missing 13 last year with a knee injury has been huge. But I view five pieces, either new or just rapidly ascending, as also being huge. Nick Bosa, the second pick in the draft, and trade acquisition D. Ford gave the Niners the best defensive line depth in football. In 41 pass drops Sunday night, Rodgers was sacked five times, pressured six times, and hit twice more per pro football focus. The most significant hit was probably the first. And that brings us to the third relatively new guy who's exploded for the Niners, middle linebacker Fred Warner. I'm a San Diego kid, Warner told me, gripping his post-game NBC player of the game football in his arm like he didn't want to let it go. I love Junior Seau. I was a Sean Merriman fan. 
He did his best sale on that fifth play of the game, blowing up the Green Bay protection in the middle of the line on third and 10 at the Packer 25. Strip sacking Rodgers and setting up the first Niner touchdown. Since San Francisco lost playmaker inside linebacker Quan Alexander with a torn pectoral a month ago, Warner has taken over his explosive playmaking. <clears throat> He's led the team in tackles in each of the last four games, recorded three sacks and forced two fumbles. And he's smart, running the defense in his second year out of Brigham Young. We got a bunch of checks we had to make all game, and Fred didn't miss one all night, Shanahan said. We love the guy, love his talent, love his brain. And then our coaches, who really know linebackers, defensive coordinator Robert Sala and position coach D'Amico Ryans, could really tell us how he fit in our scheme. I think it was great for John Lynch to go get him in the draft. Two other newbies. Free safety Jimmy Ward's a six-year vet, but he's been hurt so much the Niners couldn't rely on him. This year, he's healthy, mostly, and he's joined the fast-rising secondary as a big hitter who has excelled in coverage. He made the play of the game in the secondary, going up with Jimmy Graham to break up the pass. Now, Graham looked to come down with it, and it appeared that he did. But Ward fought with him coming down, and the ball popped out a split second after Graham landed on the earth. Now, if the Packers challenged this play, called an incompletion, they might have won the challenge. But they didn't challenge, so the play didn't change. Quote, it was basically who wanted it more, Ward told me. He also said, I was born for this. We were born for this. We're ready for the moment. Finally, Debo Samuel's been a godsend to this offense. The rookie second rounder must have been a tremendous draft for this guy to go 36th overall. Broke up the game just before the half of the 42-yard streak that left the Green Bay defenders in the dust. Looks like a great pick. I was worried I'd never learn the offense when I first got here. The playbook is so big, Samuel told me. But I'm good with it now. I love this offense. The team's got a little bit of the Shanahan ethos. America doesn't know him yet. He's not as polished as his dad, veteran coach Mike Shanahan was. Then again, he's 39. He's got time. What he is is tough and an excellent play designer and play caller. He won't say it but he's the kind of just-try-to-knock-this-chip-off-my-shoulder players respect. And they respect him because they know he puts them in the best position to win. All opponents can be beaten. All opponents we respect. We can find something in everyone we play to exploit. Who does that sound like? I've never met a coach who reminds me of Bill Belichick as much as Kyle, said former Patriots and Falcons front office man Scott Pioli, who has worked with both. I said to Shanahan Sunday night, I assume you'll be watching Lamar Jackson against the Rams. He said, well, we won't have a fun Monday and Tuesday preparing for him, but we'll be ready for Sunday. So that's the end of my top on the Niners. Um, I get into a little bit of Frank Gore. I talked to Frank Gore after the Bills game. Um, 
And, you know, he told me an interesting story or what I thought was interesting. Um, when I talked to him, it was maybe 45 minutes after the game, and he said, and obviously Frank Gore passed Barry Sanders for third place on the all-time rushing list. And afterwards, Gore told me, on a day like today, I think about all the times I could have walked away. Like at Miami, after I tore my second knee, I was going to quit. My running back coach, Don Soldinger, told me, Man, you're crazy. My goal is to get you to the NFL. And now, of course, he passed Barry Sanders on the all-time rushing list. It was so cute, his reaction to me. He said, let's be real. Come on. I respect everyone in this game, everyone. But Barry Sanders, growing up, watching him, 15,000 yards in 10 years, that was an unbelievable football player like no other. So a uh, good little chunk on Frank Gore, a little bit more than that. Um, touch on a few other things in the NFL. Say that Carson Wentz sure doesn't look like the pre-injury Carson Wentz. Uh, I said that I thought that uh, the MVP now is a two-man race, at least for now. Russell Wilson uh, and Lamar Jackson of Seattle and Baltimore, respectively. Um, if I had to give an edge to one right now, and it could change on Monday night because Lamar Jackson's playing, I'd probably give the slight, slight edge to Russell Wilson, but I'm glad there are some more games so we could figure it out. Um, I write a long section in the column about the NFL's top 100 player list. Uh, I think you'll get a kick out of that. Um, there's some stuff in there about um, how the players were picked, and and also about the TV show. I think Bill Belichick was great in this first episode. I've screened a copy of the second episode, and that's equally uh, good. I just think it's a it's a very very fun project. Um, you should read my profile this week. It's about Julie Ertz. I talked to Julie Ertz and um, and her husband, obviously Zach Ertz. Um, and I think Julie uh, has learned a lot from studying how, how Zach plays football and, and how he studies football. I think you'll enjoy that. So I'm going to go to the part of my podcast every week where, uh, you know, where obviously I'm talking about every game in the NFL. Let's start in Philadelphia, Seattle, 17, Philadelphia, nine. Look, there's no question that if Carson Wentz were competent in this game, the Eagles would have either won or made it very, very close. That, to me, is the story of the game. Uh, two interceptions, three fumbles, uh, just intolerable. You just can't have it. And as I wrote in the column, it looks like he might have a case of the yips because his throwing, which, was, which used to be accurate, is now crazy. It, it just... At least in this game, it was terrible. Tampa Bay, 35, Atlanta, 22. You know, the up and down and up and down, uh, Jameis Winston. <laughs> you know, he uh, he had an up week, and and so did, I think, his, uh, his receiving group was absolutely great. And so 
I think as long as that happens, they're going to be able to outscore people. The other interesting thing about this game, I thought, is that, you know, uh, Devin White had two sacks in this game. It was probably his best game as a pro. And, and for the Falcons, falling to one and four at home this year, Arthur Blank has got to be extremely upset. Saints 34, Panthers 31. Now, obviously, uh, the big story coming out of here was that the officials in the game uh, had a non had a play not called interference on the field. Replay reviewed and overturned, which hardly has ever happened uh, in the uh, you know this year of a replay review for for pass interference. So that is going to carry the day. But I think the other part of it is that the Saints have a four-game lead in the division. Now, this division is all over. Uh, and and Carolina, you know, the more I watch them, the more I think, you know, they're in, they're out, they, they play okay. Uh, but, man, Ron Rivera uh, might end up uh, having to pay for this with his job. Uh, I wrote a, a bit in my column about here's where I think all the coaching situations stand right now. And I think in Carolina, it's it's got to be undecided. Um, Cleveland beat Miami 41-24. to um, This was really the first time that both wide receivers were in on the fun in this game. I mean... He he got touchdown passes to both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Crazy, but that's Odell Beckham Jr.'s first touchdown of the year for the Browns. So I think it'll be interesting now to see what kind of Cleveland team goes to Pittsburgh uh, and uh, whether next Sunday, whether that's going to be a real distraction. Uh, next, uh, Buffalo 20, Denver 3. Obviously, Frank Gore was the story. But I think the other part of the story is that this Buffalo defense is turning into a shutdown unit. Uh, they had an excellent, excellent day. Big test for Buffalo in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. So there's not going to be much time to, to share in the revelry of uh, Frank Gore moving up to third on the all-time rushing list. Bears 19, Giants 14. Uh, I think one of the – I didn't see much of this game. I only saw the highlights. You know, it's funny when you watch highlights of a game, you can see some actual really good throws by Trubisky. And, uh, you, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, if you're trying to judge, say, Trubisky, you look at every pass, not just the ones that, uh, that work. And, you know, the Giants now with a seven-game losing streak, their longest streak in five years. Um, you know, obviously, I'm sure he wants to know whether there's going to be a change made. I kind of don't think there will be, but I don't know. You don't, They don't sell insurance for that kind of stuff. So here's the weird one of the day. The Jets 34, Oakland 3. I mean, how on God's green earth? do the Oakland Raiders go into the Meadowlands and lose by 31 points? I think that is, that's really a disgrace uh, for the, for the Raiders. Um, 
And then in selfie gate, uh, Dwayne Haskins and the Washington uh, team beat Detroit 19-16. to uh, Haskins missed the last play of the game because, drum roll, he was taking a selfie with a fan. And uh, that didn't really go over well in, in Washington land. Um, Pittsburgh 16, the Bengals 10. What a cool story this is. Devlin Hodges, after going out and playing well, in relatively well, in San Diego a month ago, um, this was really, really interesting to see him come back off the bench to relieve a very cold Mason Rudolph. Uh, cold by cold, I mean, you know, not completing his passes and, and not playing well. But, you know, I really think that when you look at all of these, all these, these games that were not very exciting, there's a storyline or two in each one of them that, uh, you know, is really, really huge. And, and now, you know, if you're the Steelers, it, it's so interesting because in my opinion right now, if you have in Pittsburgh, I wouldn't even call it a, a quarterback controversy, but if you have the ability to play uh, this young kid, Devlin Hodges, who I, I just think has got the kind of moxie that, that Gardner Minshew has. And so I think now when you look at it, he's going he's gonna to have a chance to win some games and, and a very, very outside chance to make the playoffs. Um, I'll tell you, Derrick Henry is, uh, his last two games, you, you know, he is up. Uh, he's, he's had 347 yards, rushing yards, the last two games. Tennessee beat the Chiefs, and then they beat the Jags on Sunday. Um, it seems like cruel and unusual punishment to, you know, to, to uh, have that game go to a large part of the country just because, and, and I don't know how much of the country it went to, but, you know, the Dallas-New England game, even though it wasn't that exciting a game, uh, I would think that people really would want to watch that uh, significantly more than they'd want to watch Tennessee-Jacksonville. Patriots 13, Cowboys 9. Look, Everybody wants to fire Jason Garrett. They want to fire the special teams coach. They want to do all these things. But I think um, Jerry Jones's feeling about going to play the full season is absolutely right. Just make the decision in January. There is no need to fire Jason Garrett now because you don't know what's going to happen over the next month. Obviously, we discussed the game I covered, uh, the 49ers beating the Packers 37-8. to uh, and uh, why don't we all get a little bit of sleep, <laughs> you know, and then I can, uh, I'll be able to digest these games a little bit more. When I cover a game, I don't really get to watch many, a lot of many of these games because I'm doing other things while the games are on. I'm trying to talk to some people and get updated on these teams I'm covering, so... Anyway, uh, next weekend I'll be home, sort of do the NFL uh, with a quarter season left. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. But anyway, it's a balancing act for me, whether to go out and cover games or whether to, uh, 
you know, stay home and, and to try to do as good a job on every team playing as possible. Okay, so here comes the adieu haiku. Suffocation. Best word to describe how Niners rocked Mr. Rogers. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. I'll try to be a little bit more awake next time, but that's the hazard of doing a mini pod at 440 in the morning. Have a great week, everybody, and have a fantastic Thanksgiving.